What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. We got another uh, Tell Stars podcast for you. Uh, we got the whole gang um, back together here. Uh, we're gonna got a good hour coming up. We're gonna talk uh, a little more about the Canucks and uh, Canucks and Abs recap. And today we're gonna be talking about players that have been hampered by their team and their coach. So we've sat down and talked a little bit about that. We're kind of going through our selections there. And then, of course, we got our player trivia for you. Switching it up a little bit today, uh, Max and myself have uh, some trivia questions. We're going to see how Kyle, Mike, and Aaron do, as well as all of you who are listening. And then uh, that'll cap us off uh, in case there's anything else uh, we need to talk about. So without further ado, let's get into it. Um, Canucks. Let's talk uh, once again about the Canucks and how they're doing. When we left you off last, they have, were doing slightly better, coming off a high-scoring Anaheim game, which saw them score eight goals. Um, but we are back in our old ways. Um, a 4-3 loss to Nashville. And this was a pretty disappointing um, final, if I may say, final score here. Uh, again, blowing a lead. Canucks had a 3 nothing lead, and losing 4-3 in a shootout was, uh, yeah, I don't know what to what to really say once again. Um, Max, I know you were at the game. Um, how, was, how was the atmosphere there, especially as the lead was disappearing, heading into the third, and then in the overtime, what was the sense of the crowd? It wasn't great. I mean, obviously, first period to get off to a 3 nothing lead, and they had multiple chances to even score a few more. Um, Sheldon Dries had few missed, you know, empty nets, basically. Um, but the crowd was really buzzing. I mean, they had the nice new goal song with uh, some Nickelback going, which, gotta say, it was a lot better than their... Uh, usual one um but second period started to kind of slowly crumble and that's when nashville really started to turn the tide um against the canucks um getting one back on them and there was two fights in there as well myers getting a misconduct which didn't really help things shortening the bench um then the third period goes in and i was at the game with my dad and we were saying during the intermission the last thing the canucks need to do is let the next goal in and within a minute they did and then a minute later another one went in and Canucks have blown now how many leads in this shortened season already um and it's more of a mental thing at this point uh obviously they just can't get it together third period their goal differential is just horrible and you know near the end of the game they were just trying to survive and try and get a point it seemed um and then overtime was more or less the same shootout let's not talk about those three attempts because they were all awful um any one of you guys else watch the game didn't didn't uh bo horvat give some fan 80 bucks because he <laughs> messed up his bet yeah, did he actually? I, did see, I did see that yeah i think the guy yeah. bet 100 bucks or something and He's like, yeah, DM me your details. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, someone needs to teach Miller how to deke before he shoots is what I noticed that game because he had two breakaways and the shooter attempt and I think he did the same thing every single time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he can spend $9 million on that. You would think, right? Eight mil. <laughs> but no, I think your point about it being a mental thing is a really big factor because we keep seeing the good starts, so we know it's there. Yeah. But just something along the way is just things are just exploding as the game goes on, and there's just no reason for it. It doesn't really make sense at this point anymore. Well, they look like a team that's trying not to lose mm-hmm. um, compared to a team that's trying to win. Because you go back to last season, and Miller, those chances were money in the bank. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. those were um, in the back of the net, nine times out of ten. And they're just not and then you know you even go to the shootout with Horvat fumbling the puck it, it seems like they're just thinking too much and that's the more they lose the more that just becomes prevalent yeah it's more this it's more even so um you know because it's the same thing happening it's not that they're losing you know, some games they're getting blown out, but all of these games, out of the first 12 games of the season, they've led in eight of them. Um, and obviously we had that first five or six game streak of blowing multiple goal leads. So it's just a full mental thing that in their head, you know, they have a lead by of two goals and then the other team scores one. And in their head, they're just like, uh-oh, here we go again. And they're just mm-hmm. kind of almost just, you know, laying it happened to him. And in the shootout, Horvath's attempt, you can just tell he let it, you know, just overthought it because mm-hmm. NHL players don't just mishandle the puck like that, that easily. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned on the podcast right before, on the, after the Anaheim game, uh, about them playing better in front of Demko. And sure enough, they blew another lead for him, which he had a pretty good game. He's held them in it at certain points but another loss for him which for him is just so gut-wrenching i hate how you know know how he feels let alone the whole locker room mm-hmm. oh absolutely i think they should have played martin to be honest if i'm gonna keep it real two games i don't i don't think demko has played I don't think it's his fault for a lot of these losses. I don't know. I, I agree, but his record says otherwise. <laughs> well, Martin's like his like save percentage is not very good. Well, it's because the well, chances. It's two on one they're giving them. It's more that yeah, the chances and then us having the worst penalty kill in the league. You know, a goalie can't do much on a penalty kill. It's also the team in front of him. But yeah, I mean, upcoming five-game road trip for the Canucks, which will be a very pivotal part of our season. Um, if they lose, you know, three or four of them, especially the first few, then you can most likely expect a big trade. Rutherford, there's no way he's sitting back right now and thinking just about weighing this through. I don't know if it'll be a coaching change, a big trade i don't know what you do it's they're in such a tough spot it's hard to even really think about what they can do what do you think they could do 
Oh, God. I mean, after watching that game, I think that any any way possible of getting rid of Ekman Larson or Myers would be great. But that's just not easy. <laughs> um, I even would go as far as scratch, healthy scratching Ekman Larson or even Pearson. Um, you know... You have so many players that aren't playing in the lineup right now. Rathbone isn't playing. Hoglander, Colson keep swapping out for games. And that's even with Besser being injured, who might get back in the lineup. So that changes things. So I don't know why they're not trying different things and trying to shuffle the lineup. Because right now it's just the same thing over and over. And yeah. Yeah. It, there's only so much you can do before you need to make a big move for a transaction. So I haven't really been able to watch the last few games very closely. I don't know if you guys know the answer to this, but has there been any adjustment to the kind of systems that they're playing with? Like breakout wise or just offensive styles, or are they just trying the same thing and it just keeps not working? I don't think their system's changed. No, if it I has, it's... then it's not really doing a good job. I think yeah. it's very much a run and gun system. I mean, like, obviously a lot of it is, like you guys said, the mentality and just the players not performing. But at some point, that seems like the first very basic change you would make as a coach. Things aren't working. Let's try something different before we try to blow up the whole team. The only thing they did differently was change up lines. But you can only change up your lines so much, um, you know, to actually, like, help your team. And I don't think it's really helped them, no matter what lines they throw out. I think that Anaheim game was fantastic when they won 8-5. Those lines kind of looked like they looked like they were gelling that night with all the goals being scored. But other than that, I mean, the Nashville game was kind of poor after the first period. Um, did anybody hear what Rutherford said today, I believe? Yeah, I didn't see all of it, but I just saw some brief points. What did he um, say? I can read. Let me read a little bit here because it's kind of based on uh, what we're talking about, the systems and changes. Well, he says, and this was on um, Sportsnet's Canuck Central uh, today. He says, first of all, this is not going to get changed in a real short period of time. I know that we all recognize that, and there's a real change here <clears throat> related to sorting out contracts and different things like that. At this point, I would have expected better I didn't like our training camp, and we continued into the early part of the season the same way as our training camp was. There's a lot of things that have to happen, but in order for us to become a better team, we have to play with a stronger system and really be more accountable for some of the things some of the players are struggling with. We're at a point now, and certainly we'll be at this point even more so at the end of this road trip, where we have to make players more accountable. We'll have to take the necessary steps to get players' attention. We tried to make changes in the offseason. A priority of ours is the right side of our defense. We need to make it younger. <clears throat> and that's it. So one thing there, <clears throat> again, I think this is like the fifth time I heard him say that their training camp was bad. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. what happened during that training camp? Like, in the preseason, obviously that's not fully training camp, but, you know, preseason they looked pretty decent. I don't know what they were doing during the training camp and everything, but I don't know why it was so bad. A lot of that too seems to be quite directly pointed at Boudreaux and how he's been running things. 
Um, it does not seem like those two are seeing things on the same page as far as the systems we've been talking about, playing certain players. And I don't think there's really a confidence that the management thinks that Boudreaux is going to be able to fix things. And that's kind of concerning going forward for sure. I would I would agree when Rutherford's talking about systems and holding players accountable, mm-hmm. basically yeah. saying, basically saying, I've built a good, aside from right side defense, this is a good team. You all need to play better. Yeah. Like the message I'm getting. It's hard and, to have a successful team when all the big people in the picture are on different pages. Yeah. I mean, their structure does not look um, cohesive at all when they're playing games. So, the, you know, the players are not playing as one, and the more they lose, the worse they get. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of truth to that statement for sure that Rutherford has made. Um, yeah. Uh, let's go so heading into this week. Just their current games coming up. They're on an Eastern road trip. We have um, Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, and Boston. And Buffalo, I think. So big Eastern trip. Um, oh, oh, boy. Let's, we got, yeah, oh, boy. Um, so, okay, five games there. Uh, are they coming out with a winning record? Or does anybody think? They can swing the tides, maybe come out with even even two wins out of these five games. Sorry, I know you said the teams. Can you repeat them one more time? Sorry, I forgot what teams. And then I can answer your question. Sure, they're going through Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, Boston, and Buffalo. So in I don't Eastern... I don't see why they can't pick up two wins at least. But again, it's the Canucks, so I don't want to fully say yes yeah unfortunately at this point i would be surprised if they got more than two out of those five mm. yeah like i mean if they can rattle off the first two against ottawa montreal that gives them a lot more hopefully like you know a bit of a boost going into the next th- those last three because those mm. last three are you know and then toronto really will play opponents. down to the canucks yeah. level <laughs> Like Toronto's very good at playing to whatever level team they're playing. Well, we might be facing an AHL uh, goalie over there, so yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, and it's... then Buffalo is such a toss-up. They're having such a good season. Boston with Boston, so. I mean, yeah, Buffalo whooped us earlier this year already, so could be, yeah. you know, hopefully a bit of a rematch there get some revenge on them but it depends how they start this road trip and the yeah. thing is anything is possible hockey <laughs> yeah. is such a random sport i love the optimism around the canucks kyle we rarely see that from you <laughs> yeah anything it's is just, possible it's just because we're so down on them right now he has to he's anything is possible one. But then when I say Canucks could finish first in the or first in the uh, conference up before the year starts, apparently yeah. that wasn't possible. Not possible. <laughs> well, we will check back in, and I think I agree with Max said with Ottawa, Montreal is a good chance to 
kind of get on a swing, get the momentum. But every win seems very, even the wins seem very difficult for the Canucks. So, so, so I don't know how often you guys use Money Puck to see like their their game predictor. Do you guys use that feature ever? Oh yeah. Um, the Canucks are supposed to lose all four five games according to their simulations. And the highest chance they have of winning is against Montreal at a 48% chance. Pretty everyone, good. Everyone else is significantly <laughs> lower. Pretty good. <laughs> well, so yeah. it, uh, it sounds about right. It sounds about right, yeah. So actually, now is, uh, I would bet on the Canucks because um, they can't lose every game, right? But they can. You would think. The first five games of the season? You just said it, Kyle. Hockey is unpredictable. So now it is actually a good time to bet to bet on the Canucks. I would actually, I think they would, they're going to surprise. You would encourage our fans put their hard money, hard earned money into sports gambling for the Canucks. I, I think now is a good time to take the under on the Canucks. <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's pretty um uh you know uh understandable or you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good call. <laughs> okay. Five game road trip. If you were gonna if you were gonna take the odds right, I would take the Canucks because how can they have they can't re they can't blow a lead forever. I, I wonder what the payout is for the Canucks to win or sorry, to lose all five games. I bet I bet you could probably make more money betting on them to lose than you would bet on them to win. To lose all five games. You, you bet on in the, each individual game that they're gonna lose? Uh like a like a parlay of sorts. Hmm. I would take you could take them over Boston. You might you might that that's a good bet. Yeah, you know what? I'll predict it. Can I still be Boston? You heard it here. Canucks will be Boston. <laughs> oh, Put yeah, your money no. on it. <laughs> no, for sure. I'll say so, yeah. S- Sunday, November thirteenth, three PM. Corey says Canucks will be Boston. Score prediction? Uh no. Okay. <laughs> Eight five. <laughs> Come on, I'm a... <laughs> Yeah, no, that'll be it. That's I yeah. Okay. And well, by the way, it's easy to say that they'll lose because that's that's the easy choice. So I'm making the hard calls here. Just you know, throwing that out there. Well, we can probably move on to maybe a little bit more promising team with the Avs. Uh, Kyle, did you get a chance to watch any of the, uh, what do they call it, the world? I don't even remember what they call it. Global <laughs> the, series. The there global you go, global series. Not world series. I did watch the world series as well. I was very upset that Houston won, but um, I don't know if y'all are baseball 
at all. Um, I did watch part of the first game. Super happy that Colorado got an early lead, and then they proceeded to blow another 3 nothing lead, which was awesome to watch, but um, they did end up scoring three unanswered goals and winning that 6-3, and then absolutely shot, or absolutely uh, rocked uh, Columbus the next day, 5-1. Um, to one. So, good couple games there. Going to be excited to get them back in North America and having them play at a more regular time that I can watch instead of 11 a.m. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it's exactly what I expected from the trip to wins against Columbus. Anything less than that would be disappointing. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I must say it's an interesting choice to send poor Columbus over there to just get killed <laughs> by Colorado. I mean, it, as it, much as you want to be optimistic that Columbus was going to do better, I think we all knew how it was going to end, and it seems like a long trip just for... A result that we all knew was going to happen. Yeah, it, I mean, th- th- they did play in Line A's hometown, so that's why Columbus that's was fair. there. Okay. Um, and then Colorado has a really huge uh, Scandinavian following, so they were also a popular choice for that. So, yeah, that is why. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't have too too much else to say about the games. Um, the other thing I did want to touch on. Um, kind of sad news coming out of the Colorado organization on Sunday, the avalanche released a heartbreaking statement um, that longtime TV personality and Colorado hockey icon, Peter McNabb passed away at the age of 70. Um, He was diagnosed with cancer last September. And though he was in remission in February, um, it ended up returning. And here we are. Um, Growing up, I was super fortunate to have the altitude avalanche broadcasts. Um, at my parents' place, and no matter who was calling the game, Peter was always there to provide color commentary. Um, he's been the Col- Colorado's color commentary person um, since their first season in 1995. That's three cup victories in 27 seasons, and Peter was there for it all. Um, almost immediately, there was a, an outpouring of support. Peter was loved by the organization, players, and most importantly, the fans. Um, statement from Joe Sackick and a bunch of other players came out, but I'm going to do the Joe Sackick one real quick. Um, the Avalanche organization is beyond sad to hear the news of Peter's passing. Peter has been there for every season in the Avalanche's existence and is a voice of the team through so many memorable years, including three Stanley Cup championships. He was a staple in the local hockey community, going back to his years playing at the University of Denver um, to working nearly 30 years with the Avs. Um, but as good as a hockey man he was, um, he will be remembered for being a friend to so many. On behalf of the ABS organization, we send our deepest condolences to the entire McNabb family. Peter will be greatly missed. Um, so thank you, Peter, for being such a mon- uh, monumental part of Colorado Avalanche hockey and my NHL experience growing up. ABS games will not be the same without you. Rest in peace. Yeah, nice thank statement. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, sad day. Um. Anyways, we can move on. I um, I did just want to touch on the Calgary Flames quickly, as I know there's um a, a few listeners that are Calgary fans, and they watch their games pretty regularly. Calgary's lost five in a row. 
five in a row. Holy, Did I didn't even notice. That? Yeah. And huh. four of those games have been one goal games. <laughs> Yikes. So uh, I just kind of wanted to, to um, ask a question to those Flames fans out there about what they think is the problem or what are their thoughts on this recent skid and how they feel this new group is doing. Um, Kadri has six goals, point per game. Huberto, one, one goal so far. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, Huberto so, has not really been visible so far this season at all. No. Yeah. And um, and and Markstrom's numbers uh, are not as are not the greatest. And I I know he's said that he uh, he needs to be better himself. So um, I don't know if we'll see Vlad. How do you say his name? Vladar. 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 Maybe we see Vladar. 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 Um, if, if we'll see him start more games coming up. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there, and maybe um, if any Calgary fans. Uh, I just want to shoot us a uh, uh, message in our DMs on Instagram about your your thoughts on the current state of Calgary and and um, where they go from there and what they're seeing from the players. So I think you're right with like Markstrom definitely having to play a little bit better. Obviously, he said that as well, um, but it's not like he's been yeah. playing like totally awful. He's just. Mm-hmm. Just not, just not last season's Markstrom. Um, a couple mm-hmm. players that I've kind of noticed have also like been super quiet. Um, I mean, like Mangiapane, he he hasn't been really done much. He has a couple goals in ten games. Definitely not in last season's form. And and Lindholm as well. He only has six yes. points in in ten games. But the but most of those points came last week. Like like going into the start of last week, he only had like a point or two. So super interesting there. I don't know what's happening, especially because like, yeah. um, like, I guess there's a little bit of change that happened with Huberdeau and Kadri coming in and Monahan and Gaudreau going out. But other than that, it's a good track as well. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if secondary scoring is an issue so far. Um, but again, we're only 10, 11 games in. I think it's also, uh-huh. you can look at them at five on five, because speaking of all those top guys, Huberto with five points in 10 games, four of those points are on the power play. Uh, oh. Lindholm, two of his six are on the power play. Uh, five of Kadri's 11 is on the power play. So not a lot of five-on-five scoring happening over there right now, which, and they're allowing 3.3 goals a game for a team that, at least mm. going into the season, we all thought, uh, or at least most people thought, had like one of the best defenses in goaltending. So, right, dude, Monahan's big... been quiet. Monahan hasn't produced anything, and he's on the ice for a bunch of goals. Monahan. Monahan. What? Monahan Hannafin, sorry. Hannafin. Oh. <laughs> God, why do I do that so much? <laughs> Hannafin's playing 20, 
Yeah, Hannafin's playing 22 minutes a night, and he's doing nothing. Kyle, you're you're really like asking for like an Instagram blooper reel here. Like, come on. <laughs> and that's next. He's gonna say Aginola is having a terrible year. Zero points. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, good observation, you guys. That's uh, that's interesting. We'll have to check back on that as well. Pacific is um an interesting division to watch right now. It's weird with Edmonton not being at the top of the, of the division either, like like most of us predicted. Yeah, they haven't they haven't been great. I'm not super surprised Vegas is doing well though. I mean, it was such a toss up though because yeah. there's a, there's there's a good chance that their goalies were just brutal. But yeah. if they could get stable goaltending, here they are. And yeah. just a healthy lineup. How about uh, how about how about Seattle right behind them? That well, one's definitely a bit more surprising, but I mean, they did have promise last year, so mm-hmm. it's not it's not too too shocking. But you look at their roster compared to like an Edmonton or a Calgary, and that's pretty surprising that they're that far ahead right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who's leading the way on that um, for that team right now? For Seattle, it's a t- it's tied between Schwartz and Burakovsky, both with ten yeah, points dude. in thirteen. Schwartz had a wow. great few weeks, or wow. like first few weeks of the season. Yeah, Benier's off to a really good start as well. Five goals, four assists. Yeah. Okay. And your boy Brandon Tanev. My guy, yes, he's, I love Tanev. I didn't pick him because I uh, wasn't sure about his knee. How do you think Oh, actually, never mind. I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> no more bloopers? No, it was about Shane Wright, and I just know that that's not. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. um, shall we get into our uh, discussion topics this week? Yeah, Mikey, do you want to take us away? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we're going to be discussing players being hampered by the team or coach. We each all we all have either one or two players. I picked two just from the same team to make it a little bit easier. Um, I'll just kick it off before uh, you guys forget about me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do... Um, I chose Pod Colson and Hoglander, both on the Vancouver Canucks. Again, being a little biased here because it's kind of tough to see two younger guys who have talent and have shown it in previous games or even last season and even in the preseason um, what they can do. But they're either not getting the opportunities or the kind of time on the ice that I think they need. Um, I know I think Max discussed this a little bit earlier where they're both taking turns playing. They won't, you know, play literally in the same day. One of them will be scratched, one of them will play. And if it's Pod Colson, he'll be playing bottom minutes as well. Hoglander played on the top line last game. He got an assist, I believe, but I mean, again, it's just really nowhere to showcase their ability in my opinion. And if if that is so, like maybe give these guys a couple AHL games to, you know, get their rhythm and everything like that rather than just sitting them on 
you know, the, the bench. Kind of my opinion on those. I know we have the Canucks fans in here. What do you guys think about the kind of situation with Hoglander and Pod Colson not being able to play? Minutes they should deserve? Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember that Pod Colson had, like, the best preseason on the team. Yeah, he did. He had, like, uh, yeah, like he did. He was the most electric player on the squad. Yeah, but obviously yeah. preseason, regular season, not the same, but it did show you what he can bring to the team. But it just showed you, like, if you put him in a little bit of an elevated role, like, it's not like he was playing grubs on defense. He, he yeah. would have been playing the average, like, NHL replacement level player. So, I just yeah, don't he... see why he's not playing second, third line minutes instead of oh, that. all these other guys playing those minutes if they're going to lose anyways you might as well have your young guys yeah that's exactly my point like you're already losing these games why are we not shaking up the lineup giving these guys more reps because paul coles and and hoglander like almost like compared to any other canuck give the most effort they're always the first ones to the corners uh dump and chasing um the effort's yeah, never you know not the there miller yeah. Well. Uh, well. Yeah. I mean, you know, when they play them, you notice them out on the ice, and it's for always for always for good plays. And I just don't understand us playing like other players, like Pearson, and you know, over him, even Dries. Like I don't understand that at all. I was going to yeah. say, I feel bad for Pod Colson because he has to literally play on a line with Pierce in every game. Yeah. Or Joshua, one of those guys. Like, they're not going to help develop this player. Like, if you don't want to play him, you know, send him down to the AHL. Like I said, give him a couple games there, see how he does. Or just put him in your top six and, you know, he doesn't have to score every game, but he'll be the impact on the ice that you need. Yeah, Mikey, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there where they're really being hampered by lack of opportunity. I mean, they're not going to be perfect every game, but if you don't ever play them, they're never going to develop that chemistry or that consistency. You have to give them a chance at some point. And like Max said, things aren't working. Why not now? It doesn't really make sense why we're not giving the younger players the chance to win those spots. And maybe some older players have to be benched for a couple games. Maybe that's the way it goes until things get going a little better over in Vancouver. Have they not had a chance? I, have, they not, have they not had an opportunity? Well, I think this year at least it hasn't been consistent enough from what you guys are saying. If they're splitting starts and they're not really playing every game... It's hard just to sit and watch. I think it'd be different if they were able to play in the AHL a little bit, the legs, and then come up and play some games. But I don't know. There's no there's no perfect answer, unfortunately, for this situation. And ever since Bruce came in, Pod Colson's been on a bottom six role. And I mean, he might not just click with what Bruce wants, but that's what I've noticed. Even from like the end of last season, he's been playing in the bottom six. So mm-hmm. and- it's interesting that he hasn't been given more chances to play with some of the stronger players like maybe that would bring out another level in him too like i would love to see him play like a three-on-three overtime like put him out there with like you know yeah or somebody else you'll trust and then you know see what he does he might be able to power his way through the net score a goal you never know 
I think yeah, Aaron, uh, Aaron, you should probably also mention your player because it coincides with what we're saying. Yeah, sure. Before we get too deep in the Canucks talk here. Um, so my player is another Canuck, shockingly, uh, with Jack Rathbone. So this one is pretty similar. Um, obviously, being a left-handed defenseman, it's been harder for him to crack the lineup. But again, we're seeing players getting ice time that haven't been performing up to the standard they should be. So very similarly to Hoglander and Paul Colson, it doesn't really make sense why we're not giving him the opportunity. Um, I know earlier in the year, too, there was talks about moving Hughes over to the right side, shuffle things up just so he would able, be able to have a spot. I'm kind of shocked that hasn't happened yet with the way things have been going. But I mean, I'm sure you guys have similar opinions. Max, why don't you let us know what you think about the Canucks dealing with their defense right now? Oh, man. I mean... I kind of briefly talked about it earlier. Uh, I'll state a point here. Then I know Corey had a point to say after. Um, but um, I don't know. I think we've seen a few posts about like Hughes and Shen being such a good pairing. And I just love having Shen there for Hughes. I think that does a lot for him. So I don't really want to shake up that pairing. But the only issue with that is that's the only successful pairing they have right now. Um you know, you throw Myers and OEL out there together, it's a train wreck. Stillman, OEL, that's too lefty. That doesn't work at all. Uh, you got OEL, um, you know, with Burroughs. You got Bear, so kind of really hurt. I've, I've liked seeing Bear out there. Um, but really, Myers out there with anyone kind of just scares me right now. Um, I, I don't know why they're not toying with Hughes going to the right side. Um, especially since they made that such a, made such a big point of that earlier in the season, but and getting Rathbone in the lineup is such a big deal. And I swear that was gonna be a you know this was gonna be his season to get some reps in, and it just seems like the same thing. He's only had four games so far this season, but that's with only playing about ten minutes a night, which is just nothing, and. You know, he's a very similar player to Hughes in which he's very crafty, very small. So he can he's a perfect candidate for that second power play unit, but OEL somehow is on that unit. Yeah, at this uh, point he's just having no development time. So when they do finally throw him in, he's probably gonna disappoint just because he's not playing at all. Yeah. Yeah, just throwing him out there for even strength is not gonna do him anything. You look at what he did in Abbotsford last year, and he was the part of the rookie uh, like team of the year, basically. Like he had almost a point per game with them, which is just nuts. And now he's just sitting in the press box. So what is that going to do for him for his growth? And if he's not going to get in the lineup anytime soon, I wouldn't even be surprised if he requested a trade. Sorry, who who is that, Max? Uh, Rathbone. Rathbone, okay. Yeah. Did you have anything out there, Corey? Um, well, I just wanted to mention a couple players that have got less time but have made a bit more of an impact with Dakota Joshua and um, Nil Zaman. Um, so it's um, they played less on average, a lot less minutes. They're averaged under 10 minutes a game. Um, but I've got a few goals here and there and a few points and made a 
pretty nice presence felt on the fourth line. Um, so I think sometimes for these maybe talented players, like more offensive top six guys that are still learning the um, kind of two-way play in the NHL, if you're not, if they're not able to play a, a bottom six, if they haven't quite cracked the top six and they're, their, their two-way game isn't really at a bottom six level. They often find themselves in the press box um, until they can kind of hone that, that end of the game. So that's just my thoughts on, on that. Uh, there's, there are, there's often is a lot of top six players that end up on in the AHL because they aren't really third-line, fourth-line checkers. Um which has been the case for, uh, I would say, like Adam Gaudet would have been a, a um, and actually going a little uh, a little ways back with the Canucks, Hunterson Carrick as well, those kind of players. Um, now I I'm, I kind of think Hoaglander might fit into that. Hold Cozen, I definitely would expect a higher ceiling from, and um, yeah, I kind of Mike was saying it would be nice to see him. Uh, maybe in a three on three overtime, something like that. I think he definitely has the skill. Like we've seen some nice plays from him. So I uh, just like two cents. I don't know what the answer is, but um, players got to make, got to, you know, yeah. If you're a young player, you got to make use of your opportunity as well when you get it. So I have, yeah. I have a question. This might be a little debate, but we can just quickly go through it. Cause I want to hear Kyle's answer as well too. So speaking on like Rathbone and not, him not like playing a lot but we have people like Myers and Ekman Larson playing you know ton of minutes which isn't like doing any good for the Canucks would it be beneficial or would it just be kind of a waste to say like for a game or two hey Myers you're going to be scratched for the game would that be more like beneficial or you know just like a waste because of his cap type of thing like would they ever I don't know how I'm trying to put this but would they ever want to think about scratching them for a game or two and kind of just be like hey You've been playing like shit type of thing. Like, I don't know who the well, replacements would be, but I'm just like thinking like, I know they're bigger name guys. They're assistant captains, but at one point they have to be held accountable because it's pretty much them. I totally agree. And I've been saying that, I think I already mentioned that uh, earlier in this podcast about scratching Larson or Pearson or Myers. Yeah, I'm on the complete same page. I don't think it matters how much you're being paid. You need to be held accountable for at least a game or two just to get something changing. Now, do you think if Rathbone played 20 minutes a game, he's going to fare better than Myers or OEL? Maybe not at the beginning, but in a long-term kind of sense, since he's still young, I think he'll also provide a little more offense than either of these guys do. I think, too, it's not always as much about will Rathbone be better. It's more Myers and ekman Larson. you need to be better. So maybe they just need a bit of a wake-up call. Totally agree. I think the biggest thing that that we need to factor in as well with this discussion is Bruce Boudreaux's job is, is on the line right now. And if I was in his position... As much as I want the young players to develop, if I have to save my job, then I'm going to choose the veterans that have been there and are a bit more used to the situations that that come up 
um, throughout the game, even if they can't, or even if they aren't doing it to the best of their abilities. And that's maybe costing you some games. There's a chance that they put it all together for a few nights and they win a few games in a row and kind of cool his seat down a little bit. Like Kyle, you think he's almost being a bit too safe in his decisions? Oh, absolutely. But but you kind of see the same thing with a lot of other coaches who are on the hot seat. Um, I can't think of any at the exact moment, but um, like even the Montreal guy the other year, um, he, he wouldn't play Caulfield. He, mm. I mean, he, he played That's Suzuki, true. but... But it was all like Hoffman, Anderson, like like all the vets trying to save his job, and then he got fired. St. Louis comes in, and all of a sudden, Caulfield's playing a bunch, and now Caulfield is a god, um, according to <laughs> yeah. Montreal fans. And, like, so. and Hoffman, um, you know, all those guys are getting healthy scratched, I hear. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, I mean, Hoffman's been, been a ghost for a couple of years now, so... Yeah, that's a good point. That was kind of my thinking with what Kyle said. I mean, Myers OEL have played a lot of minutes. They've played a lot of games. They know how to play them. But then, kind of like Max and Aaron and Mike are saying, it's not working. Like, they're losing and they're playing bad. So, at what point do you change things? Because if they were to get rid of Boudreaux, bring in a new coach like very good job security for that coach right off the bat um he could try out things like that like he could elevate pot goals in the lineup and if it goes poorly for seven eight games well we'll we'll blow him lower him in the lineup and try again next season kind of thing yeah like that point um i think i'll probably go next with my player i think we've definitely talked enough about the canucks here um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'll go, it's pretty probably similar discussion to what we just talked about, but going down to Seattle here, I have uh, my pick as Shane Wright. Obviously a player that we have not really been able to see a lot since it's his first season, but he's uh, only been, uh, he's been limited to seven games, um, averaging out at eight minutes a night. Um, uh, I mean... It's hard to say what's going down there. I know it's a tough decision on whether you send him down to juniors, the AHL, or keep him in the NHL. But if he's not going to be getting minutes, I don't see the point of keeping him up there. He's only eight, he's still eighteen years old. Like, you know, I don't know if you guys have anything else to add there. I mean, it's a pretty similar discussion to what we just kind of were talking about with the Canucks. Well. They're probably giving him what, – what's the um, the max number of games he can play if they're going to send him down? Nine? I, Is it nine? I, I believe, yeah. Once you hit the 10-game mark, it burns the first year. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know why they don't just play those games or make a decision. I'm not sure why they're scratching him. But uh, – well – I don't. They're playing the best lineup, and I guess he's not in. He's not. He'll get his. He'll get a couple more games, and then they'll probably make a decision from there. Which would be pretty soon here, <laughs> since he's at seven. Yeah, he's at seven. So, 
at the end of the day, if they're going to play him eight minutes a night, just send him to junior. Like, yeah. Like, there's, there's no way staying in the NHL playing less than 10 minutes a night will help him. Yeah, there's nothing not? wrong with going down. Why not? Because if you're not playing hockey, you're not getting better. You can oh, get much in practice and in game situations. Like if he's going to be playing 23 minutes a night in WHL or was it OHL he's playing Kingston? Yeah. Um, if you're going to be playing two and a half times more minutes in, or close to three times more minutes in the in the OHL, then you're just going to be more confident and keep on developing, right? Especially because he didn't have the strongest offensive season in his draft year. Yeah, kind of yep. took a step back, so mm-hmm. he could use but it a bit more. I don't mind him playing eight minutes a night for, you know, nine games and then sending him back. Yeah, but if they're going to keep uh, him up there and he's going to do talking 50 about games. Keeping him, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's agreeable. Which ultimately, I think that's what we'll see ultimately. Yeah. I love how me and Corey are just starting to agree more the more episodes we do. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of weird. We're getting soft. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you guys had a bit of an argument last one with the whole trivia. (laughs) The difference of opinions on a guy's career. I mean, scouting report said he was was a power play specialist because he had a heavy shot. Amateur fans think yeah. he's not so <laughs> i mean if joe corvo is a power play specialist then roberto luongo is an elite goaltender okay <laughs> <laughs> which some could argue and i will argue them as you do actually my um my friend i got a <clears throat> after my um luongo bit i got a message from my friend morgan this morning saying um basically how dare i i need to go to jail for my, <laughs> my work <laughs> so and then we talked um we talked a little bit about it so uh yeah thus it begins so morgan is a is a is a big Luongo fan and probably a big joe corvo power play specialist fan too so he asked me a good question, actually, and it was, would the Canucks have won the cup if Demko had been in net and not Luongo? And that the hmm. that got the noodle thinking a little bit. Um, now the only playoff experience we've seen from Demko is against uh, Vegas in 2020, when he was very, very good. Yeah, but said Demko. yeah. <laughs> So I said yes. <laughs> Anyways, um, I digress. Where were we? Uh, well, I don't know, Corey. Do you want to give your pick? Oh sure. Um, okay, players hampered by team and/or coach. Um, I've gone with the best player in the league, Connor McDavid. And honestly, I'll say it, the best player ever. I don't care. I said it. But he is the best hockey player ever. Um, yeah, hampered by 
his team. Uh, Edmonton um, has they've done a extremely poor attempt. You have this generational player, and I, I'm sure some of you will say, "Oh, it's, McDavid's not the best because he hasn't elevated his team." Yeah, blah blah blah. Okay, they have not. It's a hockey. Okay, this isn't basketball. This is hockey. You need a a a, a team with more than one player. Um, and they have done a sorry attempt at building a competitive team with the best chance that they have, you know, since the eighties at a, um, winning a cup. Uh, McDavid's been on Edmonton for eight years. This is his eighth year. Uh, they've made the playoffs. Well, three, four, if you include losing the qualifying round in that bubble year. Um, so half the years they've made the playoffs and they've only won three rounds. Three rounds. That's not good enough. For McDavid's eighth year, the guy that wins the Art Ross basically every year, that's not good enough. Um, the players that they could have had, the player like Last year, they went to the third round. Mike Smith was their goalie. <laughs> Mike Smith was their was their goalie. Not to credit Mike Smith, he had a great career, but he didn't have. But not last year. Like you know, forty year old Mike Smith doesn't drag you to the to the third round. That's that's all McDavid Drysaddle. Yeah, exactly. Like these these players, are, yeah, they they carry this team, but you need to do more. You know, they should have. They need a number one defenseman. I don't know if Nurse is really. He's getting paid he's like paid. it. Yeah, yeah, he's getting paid like it. Um, and they've just kind of they're they're putting it seems like they their team's getting better, but for they're just they were been circling wingers around like McDavid's like Cassian was around like Lucci. It's just like uh, they're just you know. The struck like both Stroms have played for Edmonton. I think just Ryan Strom actually, but I just feel like this cascade of random players they've signed. What was um their goalies have never they haven't had a goalie and now they have Campbell. It's like they can't this can't figure it out, and we're being robbed of prime McDavid years. McDavid's being robbed of his years compared to other teams with similar situations. Uh, Pittsburgh, I'm talking about with Crosby, they built the team. Yeah, they had Malkin. Well, Edmonton has Drysaddle. You know, yeah, they had they drafted Latang and Flurry. Well, Edmonton drafted Paul Hopkins, Yakupov. <laughs> like, they have opportunities. <clears throat> Anyways, I think anyway, David has been hampered by Edmonton. I'm uh, I'm just looking, trying to look up um, what. Gretzky had at twenty five. Like, like how many cups did Gretzky have at twenty five? Um, and I can't find it right now. But you said McDavid is the best NHL player ever. Yep. Are you talking like skill wise compared yep. to every other player ever, or skill wise like compared to to like the era? I think skill wise. I think um, the skills. Uh, the, the sheer number of hockey players playing today, uh, the skills have surpassed 
eras previous. Um, so I think the, 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 the talent in this era has surpassed the talent in eras previous. I just said that. Uh, so the best player, right, the most skilled player right now is McDavid. Therefore, I think he's the most skilled player ever. Skilled player ever, okay. Because obviously, like, Gretzky, like, dominated his era. But if you put him in today's game, who knows? Yeah, like, given who knows? the, like, the modern equipment and stuff, like, obviously it'd be different, but let's say. Yeah, just, just everything. Um, yeah, I mean, goaltending has gotten better. Uh, shooting has gotten better. Skating has gotten better. So. <clears throat> you disagree <laughs> no 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 i i definitely agree with you i'm just still trying to find out how many cups gretzky had won by 25 years old and it's improving to not be the best google searcher maybe i should have used bang on this one i think the, i think edmonton should have been more competitive by uh, by the eighth year of mcdavid's career than they have been yeah, at this point, it's almost getting to where it's too late. Like, they're just kind of stuck, and eventually they're going to probably lose them. Uh, yeah, I mean, possibly. I mean, look at... Although Edmonton has had more success recently, and Toronto hasn't, at least Toronto has made the playoffs every year, um, which is the minimum you have to do. Um, and have actively tried to, you know, resolve issues and build a team and bring in guys like um, Spezza and um, Wayne Simmons and other players along those lines to, you know, try and build a good team and have made the playoffs ever since uh, Matthews has been there. Yeah, I think Toronto's definitely done a better job at surrounding surrounding Matthews with the talent. For sure. Which is pretty obvious. For sure. And if you look at something else, very comparable, Buffalo with um, Eichel and uh, their other young stars, that they did not make the playoffs at all any year. And what happened? Uh they had to trade all their stars, all those young stars. Now, I know they've rebuilt and are playing well right now, actually. But they had a pretty solid young core that essentially wanted to leave because they never had any success with that core. So that is definitely what you not want to do. And now the Canucks are... I know we keep mentioning the Canucks, but now they're in... They're, they're in a... But they're in exactly the spot that we're talking about. Obviously, they don't have a McDavid, but they have a lot of young players that, and their team is losing. So I don't know. So I can chime in here because I don't know if Kyle, if you've figured out the Google here, I, but uh, I, I can't, man. I've, okay, I don't I know what it. I'm doing wrong. Okay, so <laughs> Gretzky had two cups before he was 25, and then he had two more. When he was 27 and 28. Yeah. 
Al, what so, were you searching that you could not find that? Like, yeah, I, I think we. <laughs> a little bit concerning. I, I I'm not using Internet Explorer. Like Jesus, it is Google Chrome, but oh. I, I, it says I said. Well, I said, how old was Gretzky when he won his first Stanley Cup? And then it said, how old was Gretzky when he won his first Stanley Cup? And it says, at age 19, Gretzky won his first heart trophy. And then it goes off about all this other junk. And then it says, <laughs> when did Gretzky win his cup? And then it's giving me years and I can't do math very quickly. So, all right. thank you, well, Max, very much. You're welcome. I saved you there. So, Kyle, maybe cut your losses and why don't you oh, give yeah. us your player? I'm yeah, I'm done. Um, so I chose two players. Um, I'm going to start with Nikolai Ehlers first. I think a lot of the issues that the Jets had the past few years is just trying to run with the old boys crew and try to make Wheeler and Shifley be players that they're not, where having Ehlers in their lineup and playing second line, third, second, third line minutes and no power play um, time or second line power play time was a huge hindrance to, to that team's success. Um, he's a dynamic skater, dynamic puck handler, great shooter. And I think that, I think the, uh, like one of the main issues with, with Winnipeg was that they did not play him in situations where his skill would take over. They would throw Adam Lowry out there, guys like that. So, yeah. Any question or any comments there? No questions. <laughs> He's really trying to set himself up for a Mikey Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey's muted himself the entire time. Hasn't given us a chance. Questions so. and comments. <laughs> questions and comments. Maybe concerns. you have questions. Questions, comments, concerns. Um, and then my second player... Um, was Heiskanen. Obviously this season Heiskanen's doing unreal, but the past couple of years under Rick Bonus, he was made to play a lot more of a defensive style and that just absolutely killed his offensive production. I remember a handful of years ago when Dallas went to the cup finals, Heiskanen was one of the main reasons why. And after that playoff run, he just went quiet when the when the system changed to much more defensive system and now he's back, and given given all the other defensemen a run for their money when it comes to the Norris Trophy. So, so is he a player that works better on an offensive system? I think he's yeah. I think he's a player that both works better on an offensive system and just works better when he has the freedom to to drive play up ice and mm. and isn't restricted to getting to center line and dumping it in because I think that was the main issue was. He was kind of getting to the center line or getting to the blue line and dumping it in because he wasn't allowed to be the person that was farthest up the ice on his team. That was that was the forwards job. Um, which bringing in a new coach, DeBoer was always great his first season with the team. So watch Dallas go to the Stanley Cup final because he, he likes to do that in his first season and just absolutely shit the bed afterwards. But yeah. De- yeah I think, DeBoer uh, or you're, you're... What was that, Corey? No, I just I forgot he was coaching Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think another point too is uh, you know, he's like the main man now in Dallas. Not to say he wasn't really last year, but you had John Klingberg. Klingberg was kind of mid last yeah. year, anyways. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he still was, I believe, 
manning the top power play and he was going to be out there for you know over 20 minutes so you know Heiskanen was a bit almost in his shadow when it comes to some oh. playing time and you know like you're saying with freedom I I think Heiskanen played more than than Klingberg did last year plus Klingberg is a righty and Heiskanen's a lefty so they could play together as well I don't, I don't think they, they were did, taking though. yeah did maybe uh... Maybe bonus Did, didn't. Klingberg's uh, an offensive defenseman as well. How did he do with the defensive structure? Well, he, just, he went quiet. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a reason why he couldn't get a contract this offseason. Hmm. I mean, that could also be because his agent kind of screwed him a little bit too, but... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so those are my picks. Pretty big fan of both. So I just hope that they can kind of do better going forward and, and get a bit more freedom to, to play the hockey that, that I know that they can. Alrighty. Well, I think we can move on to our uh, basically second last segment here. We're going to do some, uh, probably our favorite one, which is the trivia. Uh, so, like Corey mentioned, we both paired our own question for the rest of you lot. Um, do you want me to go first, Corey? Go for it. Sure. Okay. So, mine's slightly different. So, you guys won't be guessing the player. You're going to have to guess the team I am talking okay. about. Uh, so, I got four hints for you. Uh, if you don't get it by... Well, the last hint is a pretty much almost dead giveaway. So, you hopefully can know it then but i hope you don't know it off the first one because i worked harder on these <laughs> all right so we're starting off here with uh this hint this team retired a jersey before they even played their first game oh i got oh, it got it oh for god's sake okay. <laughs> damn it uh that was a tie right or that was pretty damn close yeah we got to do the playback. <laughs> Instant replay. Uh, Mikey, Aaron, do you have any guesses? <laughs> nope. No, not yet. Okay, I can keep going for you guys then, but Kyle, Corey seem very confident. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not um, going to get it after like 10 guesses, guaranteed. But no, you might. Teams. Mikey, you're pretty close to this next one here, so you should know it. Uh, this mullet-wearing mascot wears the number 18,001. Need <laughs> need number change? No, he wears that on his jersey. Yeah, you definitely need a number change. Can't be having that number. <laughs> mullet-wearing mascot. Yep. Dude, I thought you said when you were like close to this, you're going to be like the Canucks. No, no, close to it, because mullet. You know what? I think I have a guess now. Actually. Okay. Mikey, nothing? Nah. Alright. Uh, la- well, not last hint, but this expansion team has never been to the cup finals. Yikes. Did that solidify your guess, Aaron? Um, I don't know, but I, I'm going to stick with what I had. Okay. Mullet Mikey. mascot. I, I think I have a guess, but I don't know. You can. I don't know. Okay. 
I think I do, but it's going to be wrong. Do you want my the last hint then? Okay, sure. This might solidify it. Yeah, it should. Um, this team had a stressful summer in 2022 trying to retrieve their best player from yeah. Russia. I got it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, I got it. <laughs> All right, Mikey, go ahead. The Wild? Yes. The fact that all of you had that. The fact yep. that Kyle beat Corey there was crazy. I don't know. I feel like I said it before. I heard my voice before Kyle's voice. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got to over the tapes on that one. I, I just want to hear some conflict, so that's why I said I that. heard Corey's a little bit before, not going to lie. I forgot. I think we could probably sum that up as a tie, though. Wow, you're so nice. <laughs> well, I you am. guys getting along. Max, I would say that was a very good Mikey Aaron level trivia question, but maybe you got to yeah. go a little harder on Kyle and Corey next time. Hey, you got to tell us the number they retired. Yeah. So okay, yeah, I initially did have the number they retired, but got rid of it because I thought it might be too easy. Uh, so before their first game, um, they retired the number one because their fans are number one. Hey, that's cringe. That, that is I, true. I, I actually heard an announcement that that Arizona was going to retire the same number in or in celebration of their one fan. <laughs> Jesus. That's funny. Yeah. I don't really like the retire one cuz of I don't know. That seems like very It's a bit. Seems like Disney, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I'll retire a really random number 2. Well, I'll tell you um one team that'll never do that is Vancouver. They'll never retire number one. I gotta give this point to Corey because I thought it was the Knights off the first hint. Oh, yikes. Oh. Because they retired the 58 for the for the shooting victims. Right. Uh, yeah, that's mm. fair. Yeah, I was thinking Seattle because they retired. I think it was number 32 very randomly max since you're a big fan of the minnesota wild um why is that mascot have that number oh shoot i I have to look it up again it's something to do with like the number of fans or something like that (laughs) they put the uno Uh, reverse on the trivia master (laughs) nordy wears a number eighteen thousand and one to represent his place as a member of the team of eighteen thousand so he's an 18,000 first fan. Is that what that means? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just not really a fan. Why don't, really what's going on? Why don't why don't not just give him a number? I don't. Get uh, you should you look up a photo of what it looks like because it looks <laughs> quite funny on the jersey. Okay, I'm gonna look. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't use that from playing mascots in NHL. <laughs> I think <laughs> the mullet one. Yeah, all the things that I would know. That's gonna be it. That's funny. Yeah, good one. Yeah, all right, Corey. Okay, you guys ready for this? Um, I was not creative. I just have a player. Uh, pretty. I think this one's pretty tough. This one's pretty tough. But Great. here, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Everyone ready? Kyle, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. <clears throat> okay. 
this player's this player in his first and last professional hockey seasons he played with uh two members of the same family in his first season he played with Hari Aho and in his last season he played with his son Sebastian Aho for and I might butcher this name Carpot in Finland what's that was <clears throat> I mean I might have a random guess but it's definitely not a god mm-hmm. so he played he played with the dad and then he played with the son and but, and this is obviously an NHL player yes is an NHL player but his 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 professional his first and his last professional years and his first professional year he played with Hariaho the last professionally, I played with Sebastian Aho, and I was in a car pot, Finland, hmm. where the SM Liga. Yep. Yeah. yeah, might have a good yeah. guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, this player played in the NHL for nine seasons with Philadelphia, Edmonton, and Carolina. In right. that order. Never mind. My guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Edmonton, okay. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Nine seasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will now read to you this player's uh, report from EliteProspects.com. specialist. <laughs> it says A big and strong defenseman who skates well. A tough player who likes to play physically, always works hard for his team, and is useful on both power play and a penalty kill. Has suffered a lot of injuries throughout his career. You notice it says useful, but not specialist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, noted. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, don't leave us hanging. <laughs> Anybody have any guesses? If he's not here, Carolina. Oh, uh, defenseman. Philly. I thought I had a good guess with Chara, because like Aho and then Aho for the Islanders, like they're all in Aho. Wait, but he no, said he, he played well, in the Finnish he, league. Said Sebastian Aho, right? And, oh, yeah, Sebastian Aho. <laughs> Oh, you're talking about, yeah, sorry, I got you. The Islanders one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, he said that it was Philadelphia, Edmonton, Carolina in the orders. Oh, I got it. I got it. Well, okay, (laughs) but my guess was before I knew the teams. Okay. How do you have it? I don't know how you have that. Uh, That's ridiculous. Okay, you have to to give us your, because Corey is not here. You get to just say it, and then you can verify with Corey. I think it's Yanni Pitkinen. Ooh. How do you know that? Who is that? Philadelphia, Edmonton, Carolina. Right, go Google Edmonton. his elite prospects and see if it says the oh. same thing Corey said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, he played. What was the first clue Corey gave? Something about a son and a dad. Yeah, his first so, in that season he so, played with the like son. So or... just so the fans know, um, Corey's something crashed. So here he is. Hey. 
There's this, this, sorry, he's not here, is what I meant to say. Oh! <laughs> Luigi <laughs> Rogue, Kyle! Sorry, I'm... Yeah, yeah, I'm right. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. Oh yeah, it is, it's 100% him. You had to use Google for that, for sure. No, 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 no I didn't. Yoni Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? There's no, no way you're getting Yoni Pitkin in. Why not? He was just a random tall defenseman. I don't know about power play. <laughs> now I'm starting to sound like Corey. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, let's get to the next part. The bonus episode and the next fan question. Let's get that part. I don't know anything about this bonus episode, so Kyle. Oh, this is like for Max. I, I didn't I know he Kyle was recording. <laughs> yeah, so... I, I mean, basically, I think this was after episode 14 of the podcast. Uh, this would have been about two weeks ago. Um, me, while editing the podcast, uh, Kyle and Corey at like 11 o'clock at night or something like that is just going on and on about, well, just, just completely random shit. I, I haven't really listened to it, but I was there obviously listening to it in the background. And I decided to hit record halfway into their conversation which went on for about an hour <laughs> so with their permission i decided to upload it and feel free to have a listen it's not as organized they have no idea they're being recorded which is funny <laughs> yeah i think it's just us just mumbling different oh it's fully just you and, going and yeah it's so quite funny so i think me and Corey started watching and like paying attention to the nhl around the same time so so we have a lot of like memories in common of like random players from like our childhood that were just like no name people that just like stuck in our head so yeah it is pretty impressive the kind of facts you guys can pull out so if you are one of those people who likes hearing very bizarre facts about very bizarre players definitely go take a listen to that because it's quite entertaining for sure and yeah and if you started watching the nhl in like the early to late 2000s as well i think it'll bring back some some interesting memories as well for you yeah perfect so yeah we up already uploaded that so as you're hearing this you will see uh wherever you find your podcast there will be that bonus episode it's about half hour long uh it does just kick in right in the middle of their conversation so be ready for that there's no fancy intro music or anything <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's pretty much near the, uh, the end of our podcast here. Sorry for this, a uh, bit of a scuffed ending, but, um, I believe it stopped me from getting it right. Yeah. I can't believe you got that. Sabotage you. Another hint. <laughs> um, I didn't so, yeah. need another hint. I just uh, needed some right. time to think. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to stop cutting you off, Max. Go yeah, for it. thank you. Jesus. <laughs> Um, we're already going on long enough here. So our next fan question for you all is uh, going to be about, you know, pretty much what we went over today. That's what we like to ask you guys. So our question for you is, who do you think is the player that's being hampered the most, most by a team or coach? Um, let us know. We'll make a post for it for the Insta. And feel free to drop a comment on our old uh, one as well um, about being whoever the uh, most overrated player is. Uh, so Aaron, take us away for the outro. Yeah, thank you, Max. So, I mean, first off, we want to hear from you guys. So please go leave us a review and let us know also if there's any specific topics you want to hear us discuss. 
As always, like Max said, please make sure to head over to our Instagram to answer our fan questions. We will be back next week with a brand new episode where we're going to put a little bit of a twist on the topic we talked about today. And we're going to go over what teams are hampered by a certain player. It should be another good discussion. So thanks for tuning in this time and we will see you all next week. 